It's November 22nd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, some good news on the dirty green energy front. The state of Arkansas is set to give America a new source of lithium, and even environmentalists are happy about this news. Details shortly. Second, an update for you on the AI revolution. A $90 billion company called ChatGPT all but imploded over the past week, and the reasons for this disaster include killer robots. I'll explain. Third, developing news out of Israel this morning on the possible swap of prisoners and hostages involved in this conflict. I'll give you the latest. Fourth, grab your maps, because we are off to Asia this morning to the country of Myanmar. We're heading back there because of a recent rebel attack on some government forces with fallout on your pocketbook. Later, a listener question today from William about whether or not we should get rid of the CIA. I'll offer up my response to his suggestion. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. Some good news on the dirty green energy front. News that even environmentalists are celebrating this morning. And here it is. The state of Arkansas and the company of ExxonMobil have announced the launch of a major drilling operation in the southern part of that state. Estimates are that the area could hold millions of tons of lithium, enough for at least a million electric vehicles per year for years. But it could also help power the batteries for lots of other products, too, like cell phones, laptops, and so forth. But perhaps most critically, it's coming from a series of wells in America. And that is very good. Because as I shared with you during my special briefs back on August 16th and 17th, most of America's lithium supply comes from abroad. Worse yet, most of the refining of that stuff happens in China. But things are now starting to change. Exxon plans to drill wells throughout this area and pull up mostly salt water. Now, once above ground, they will separate out the lithium that is mixed in with that salt water and then inject the water right back into the ground. And that is why environmentalists are pretty happy about this. It's a relatively light footprint in terms of environmental impact. Plus, Exxon is going to be using mostly existing wells from old oil production. Plus, one other good piece of news to tell you about, Exxon plans to build out a refinery in this area for the lithium, which will join other refineries also being built in states like Texas, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So in other words, folks, we're gaining both domestic lithium production and we're removing China from at least one part of this supply chain. And that is good news. One last thing to talk about, this area of Arkansas, with little cities like Magnolia and El Dorado, It's struggled economically for years now, but this new development should bring in upwards of 6,000 jobs. So all in all, some great news this morning for Arkansas, for consumers, and for America. And boy, does that feel good to say. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. An update for you on the AI revolution. It's a series I kicked off back on July 11th and 19th. If you missed those episodes and you want to go back for a refresh. But here is one of the key questions that we discussed. Can the computational power of artificial intelligence ever match or even exceed the capabilities of the human mind? Because if so, that would be arguably the greatest and most frightening creation in all of human history. 
Because if you could put that kind of advanced mind, as it were, in the body of a robot, well, you would have a new species or an apex animal, effectively. And that is at the heart of the news that I'm bringing you this morning and why we should care. And here it is. The AI company called ChatGPT, which was valued at nearly $90 billion last week, collapsed over the past five days. And that's because the board of directors fired their CEO, a guy named Sam Altman. They did that last Friday. Now, the reasons for doing so aren't exactly clear. There's a lot of rumor out there, including this one, and I love it. He apparently had some sort of secret deal with Chinese hackers and the NSA found out. Well, anyway, those rumors aside, most of us following this news are pretty convinced that it boils down to how you answer this next question. Should humanity develop AI and let it run free and wild? See how far this innovation might go if it's largely untouched and unfettered. Or should we be more careful? testing it in laboratories for years and try to very slowly understand some of the mysteries of how exactly AI works. Well, this debate is a big one. On one side, you got people in Silicon Valley who fear that AI might eventually create a, a new super intelligent species and it'll be better and stronger than humans. And then it might crush humanity. And those people and that fear make up most of the chat GPT board members. But on the other side of this debate, we have AI engineers and investors who say that those people are just a bunch of nervous Nellies, right? These are hopeful tech bros, and they say it's not going to be that bad. Plus, they say that the Communist Party of China is already going down this AI path without many restrictions. So unless we want those guys to beat us, we better proceed hard and fast. And that more aggressive view of AI is one held by people like Sam Altman, he is the now-fired CEO of ChatGPT. In other words, this brouhaha over the past five days is a conflict between these two worldviews, with the board of the ChatGPT folks firing Altman all because of it, allegedly. Now, some of you might be thinking, uh, this debate sounds a little silly, like maybe a science fiction movie. But I will tell you, some very smart people, some very reasonable people, are debating this. It is a possibility that this tech grows out of control. And for that reason, we should be watching what happens next. Now, to that end, we do know what comes next for ChatGPT. It's a disaster, right? That fired CEO, well, he was immediately hired by a competitor, Microsoft. Next, most of the ChatGPT staff is now threatening to quit, resign, go elsewhere quickly. And lastly, the company's investors, Oh dear, they're weighing a massive lawsuit because the company was worth about $90 billion last week, but now it's worth pennies on those dollars. Oopsie. So that is the upshot of this fight at ChatGPT and whether the AI revolution gives us a, a revolutionary series of products or will squish us like a bug. I'll keep you posted. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at writereport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? 
Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about JaceMedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at JASEMedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at jasemedical.com. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our reports this morning with a pivot towards international news. Developing events out of the war in the Middle East, ladies and gentlemen, specifically the deal over hostages that we have spoken about, this deal between Israel and Hamas. Well, the deal is looking like it might be a done deal. So here's what we know. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told his government late last night that they should approve this deal where the Israelis would pause operations for four to maybe five days in the Gaza Strip. The Israelis would then free about 150 Palestinian prisoners that are currently held in Israeli jails, some of whom are women and teenagers. In exchange, Hamas would apparently agree to give Israel about 50 of the 250 or so hostages that they took during their terror attack back on October 7th. There would also be an allowance for fuel, medicines, food, and water, which would all, of course, go into the Gaza Strip. So that's the essence of the deal. And last night, Mr. Netanyahu said that he was hopeful that this deal will move forward. For what it's worth, so too did the folks with Hamas. One of their terror leaders said this, quote, we are close to reaching an agreement, end quote. Now, there is just one small sticking point here, at least as of this hour. The deal will need judicial review in Israel before it could ever take effect. And that shouldn't be a big problem, but you never know. So that is the latest, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to keep you posted as this story develops. Next up, grab your maps, ladies and gentlemen, because we are off to the Asian country of Myanmar this morning, a country that some of us used to know as Burma. We talked about this country all the way back on May 9th, and we did so because of this fact. About 10% of the world's supply of tin comes from Myanmar, but that tin has a very special role in the global economy. You see, China gets about 70 to 80% of this metal from Myanmar, depending on the year. In other words, many of the goods that you buy from China, goods that have tin in them, almost certainly originate from a mine in Myanmar. And that's bad in some ways, because for five of the last six decades, the country of Myanmar has mostly been ruled by a military dictatorship or junta. And they have battled with various militias and ethnic groups for those many decades, which in turn has led to untold numbers of people either dead, living in poverty, or otherwise displaced. In more recent months, that unrest and that internal fighting has also led to the restriction of exported tin to China. In fact, at times, it's caused prices globally to pop up by 12%. And that increase eventually trickles its way down to you and your pocketbook. So that is why we are going back to Myanmar this morning, and we are here to talk about this. One month ago, a rebel alliance in Myanmar attacked government military positions in the north, the west, and in eastern states which share a border with China. 
The rebels are calling it Operation 1027. And by all measures, it has worked. And that has shocked the military junta. In fact, we've seen confirmed reports that government troops have fled their bases after surprise attacks. They've left behind gear, weaponry. And in one case, they ran into the neighboring country of India for protection from the rebels. Meanwhile, fighting has also blocked key trade routes out of Myanmar, including with China. And that has forced the military junta to admit that in some places it has lost control, which is quite unusual for them. Well, what comes next, it is a bit early to say, but we do know this. The rebellion has been remarkable in that, well, it has been very well coordinated. It's got a national reach and its military effectiveness so far, it's quite good. Now, that said, the military government is very well versed in this six decade long fight against the rebels. So we shall see ultimately how this plays out. But I'll tell you what regional analysts and folks like me are wondering is this, why now and who exactly helped organize this massive, unusually effective rebel assault? Well, let's dive into that. And let's do so by pivoting from facts and data to my analysis and opinion. If you've got those maps, either on your phone, computer, or in your minds, I want you to take a look at Myanmar and where it sits. Right To the west is the Indian Ocean. To the east is China. Now, if you are in Beijing this morning, this piece of real estate would be quite nice to have under your very firm control. Because otherwise, your trade, especially to and from the Middle East and all that delicious oil they got, that has to go through the South China Sea. And that lately has been some pretty tough territory, a lot of contests for control. So Beijing has long looked for a shortcut to bypass that area and get better access to the Middle East. And that means that it has to have a very friendly and very compliant group of leaders in what many people still call the old capital of Rangoon. Now to date, China has actually had a pretty compliant group of leaders that it's always wanted, but there's a growing suspicion this morning that President Xi wants something else. And maybe it's because of this. There's been an uptick in lawlessness along the border between China and Myanmar. A lot of Chinese citizens have been caught up in gangs and criminal enterprises along that border. But it is also possible, maybe, that President Xi is thinking about a war over Taiwan. And that could happen sooner rather than later. And if so, he wants to remove what we might call his vulnerability in the South China Sea to the Middle East. And if so, of course, he's going to need that reliable access to the Indian Ocean via Myanmar. So that's why there is a rumor this morning, some low confidence speculation, that it is she who has helped organize this rebel attack in their Operation 1027. So all in all, that is why I'm watching Myanmar this morning, because we've got those global tin prices to worry about. Plus, this very mysterious rebel attack that might be a part of President Xi and his regional scramble for power. So it's on my radar, folks. And now it's on yours, too. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.
Welcome back to The Right Report. I've got one more thing before I let you go. It's a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. William from Vermont wrote in and he asked this question, Brian, do we really need the CIA anymore? Because I think that we should get rid of it. I think that they killed President Kennedy years ago and the agency hasn't been reformed or cleaned up since. Not really. So if you were president, Brian, would you be brave and get rid of the CIA? Well, William, let me start with this. Can I just thank you for being a paid subscriber? Your $6 a month sure helps me keep this podcast going. A lot of people might think, ah, six bucks, who cares? But I'm telling you, it means a ton to me. So thank you. Second, let's start with this part. Uh, You said, if I were president, let me be very clear. I don't want to be president ever. So let's just keep that in mind. No, thank you, sir. Third, so I appreciate the, the, the mention of President Kennedy because it has been 60 years since he was assassinated. And what a horrifically dark day that was. There was so much promise with his presidency, and I wonder what he would have done differently in Vietnam in particular. But that aside, I'm well aware of the rumors that the CIA was involved in his killing. In fact, for folks unaware, Tucker Carlson did a piece on this allegation about a year ago, and it's worth listening to if you haven't. Now, whether or not this rumor is true, I don't know. Uh, For what it's worth, if I were CIA director talking to a president, I would work very hard to declassify every single file that relates to this. Which, if for you know folks unaware, that, that has not been done. Some of this stuff is still classified. And it seems crazy to me. Indeed, every president has avoided fully declassifying this information, including Donald Trump. And I just don't understand why. Very, very odd to me. But third, so let's talk about your question of whether or not we should keep the CIA or just get rid of it. So here's what I would say to you. First, there is nothing in the Constitution that says that we have to have it. And by the way, that is true of a lot of government agencies and bureaucracies. So I'm not married to the CIA, right? However, what I'm interested in is the mission or the function that it serves. And for folks unaware, just to clarify, here it is. The CIA is charged with recruiting foreign spies and stealing foreign secrets. It also conducts foreign covert action, like sabotage and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there are the analysts who take all the information from those operations and put it all together like a big puzzle. And they then offer key takeaways to policymakers. So in my view, those things and those functions are still very important, CIA aside. So, William, let's ask, if not the CIA to execute that mission set, who should? Now, as we think about this, perhaps William will say, I don't care. Make it somebody else, anybody else, because the CIA is corrupt and they have abused their power. To be fair, that argument isn't exactly wrong, right? We've had some pretty horrifically bad leadership and terrible congressional oversight of the CIA into the past five years or so. So for instance, I think the most egregious recent example is former CIA Director John Brennan, when he colluded with then FBI Director James Comey to target former President Donald Trump during that crossfire hurricane disaster. Or there's also this, and boy, this does not get enough attention. Current Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was on an interview with MSNBC back in 2017, and he warned Donald Trump that U.S. intel agencies have six ways from Sunday at getting back at him. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So 
Does everybody in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill know that actually it's the U.S. intelligence agencies that really run our government and control our politicians? Uh, Well, if that's true, we should probably talk about it. Seems really important. So, yes, William, a reasonable person can say, I don't care about the mission set or the functions of the CIA. I want it all gone. Okay. And yet, my challenge to us is still this. I believe that this nation still needs secret information from abroad. And I think history bears that out. Governments and tribes of all kinds for centuries have collected intel as a part of their very function to keep their people and their countries safe. So how might we do that if we don't have a CIA of some kind? Well, we'd have to think about this creatively for a while, but here are a couple of ideas to noodle on. First, we've talked about digital exhaust. And there is a lot of great intel and some pretty impressive predictive power in data that uh, people from all around the world leave as they go about their everyday lives. That includes things from our cell phones or credit card transactions or internet activity. Indeed, we've been discussing that for a good number of months now. So maybe that kind of intel, that digital exhaust, is a new intel collection platform for us. Although, just to remind ourselves, that would mean that we would empower corporations to snoop on us, not the NSA or the CIA. So I'm not sure that we would really resolve the problem. Nevertheless, we'll think about it. Second, perhaps we should just lean more heavily on the State Department and their diplomats. Because it's true, those folks have a lot of sensitive conversations with people all around the world every day. And yes, that is true. But we would still have the challenge of vetting those sensitive conversations for accuracy, because we would need to have high confidence in what these diplomats are being told. And to do so, to do that vetting, that requires other streams of intelligence, like captured emails or phone calls or other human spies. So there's that challenge. Finally, we would probably still need covert action operations for sabotage or to break into buildings or foreign embassies. And that duty could fall to our military operators, and that might work. They do some of that stuff already. But I suspect that over time, some of those guys or their leadership, they would abuse that power too. Not because they're inherently bad, but because that's just human nature. So I'm not sure, William, of what or how we would replace the CIA with. But to be candid, I have to say, you probably hear reluctance in my voice. And part of that is I've seen the CIA work and work very well for the American people. I've seen cases of critical spies in foreign capitals where we could not collect, say, digital exhaust. Or we have had informants in isolated villages in Afghanistan or Somalia where we don't have diplomats. And those spies have changed the world. They've changed the course of history for the better. We just don't hear about it. So here's my bottom line. If the abuses of the CIA are judged to be so egregious by the American people that we got to make it smaller or disband it altogether, then very well. I respect that choice. I think, though, we will still need to find ways to address the gaps that the CIA leaves behind, those functions, the missions, because those are very important, too. Left abandoned, we will have blind spots, and those will end up hurting this nation dearly. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. 
As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Indeed, I expect that we will do a shorter episode for Thanksgiving, maybe a personal message. But until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.